And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about a couple of things. I've got a poem that I want to play that we're going to uh, talk about. Also, the fragility of life. What could that be about? But I want to start out with a conversation about some college football. The fall time of year, football season kicks off. It starts off with college football, then followed by the NFL a couple weeks later. And we're already a couple weeks into the uh, college football season. And there's a correlation between what one program has done versus another program versus how it might affect us in life or how maybe we can take the lessons learned from these programs and maybe apply it to our own life. So what do I mean? Well, if you've been following sports at all, you know that college football will be going through some major realignments. You've got a lot of teams leaving their current conferences and going to other conferences. The Big Ten's going to expand with USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. And then you've got some other schools from the Pac-12 going to the Big 12. And there's only two teams left in the Pac-12. That's Washington State and Oregon State. And they're going to try to resurrect that conference from the ashes rising up like the Phoenix. Maybe they'll call it the Phoenix 12 Conference when they get done with it. But anyways, you got a lot of changes coming. So in the last year of what is the current format of conferences and team alignments and maybe even rivalry games that we might see come to an end because of the change that's going to take place in the 2024 season. The one conference that is the most impactful, like I just mentioned, is the Pac-12. So the Pac-12 conference is going to pretty much end as we know it. Some have called it the conference of champions. But either way, it's going to end as 10 of the schools are leaving to go someplace else. Four, like I mentioned, going to the Big Ten, others going to the Big 12, and then some to the ACC, leaving Oregon State and Washington State trying to do something. Now, with that, so far, the Pac-12 has been doing pretty good. They started out the season going 17-0 and as a conference before Arizona finally lost, and then, of course, some teams have fallen since then. But 17-0, and for a conference that has been pretty much put on the bottom shelf, the back burner, in the corner the last couple of years. I mean, you take a look at USC, for example, a team that was ranked in the top six. I think they were ranked six to start the season. They played their first two games on the Pac-12 network, which most people can't get. And then you have them playing a 10.30 Eastern time game where half the country's asleep, maybe not watching them. Maybe they stayed up to watch Caleb Williams. I don't know. Um, But again, not so much respect given to the best team in the West. So, of course, that's part of the problem as to why the Pac-12 is leaving. But not too long ago did USC have a problem. They weren't winning games. In fact, I think they went like four and eight or something like that. So they had to make make a big change. And this is what I want to talk about, how it correlates to us in life. So maybe life isn't going so well for us, and we need to make a big change. So USC is a football school. They've had plenty of success, Heisman Trophy winners, national championships, Rose Bowl victories, their conference championships, whether it be Pac-10, Pac-12, maybe even back to the Pac-8. And so, again, there was a lot of stuff that took place 
in their history, and they wanted to return to that championship caliber program. So they went out and they stole away from the University of Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley was a very successful coach. Heisman Trophy winners at the University of Oklahoma. And somehow, some way, they were able to take him and get him to leave Oklahoma, a highly successful program, a top four program every year, and go to USC, who just had one of the worst years ever in the history of the program. Now, with that, came a huge and dramatic turnaround, the hire of one person. Obviously, players that played from at Oklahoma started to come to USC via the transfer portal. Other players out there wanted to be a part of this success, so they left their uh, schools and went to play at USC. I mean, you had running backs from Oregon, wide receivers from Pittsburgh, and so everybody wants to be a part of this. And now in this current year, you've had people from The other USC, University of South Carolina and other places, transfer from their schools and come to play for Lincoln Riley in this current 2023 season. So a lot of change took place and a lot of success came out of that. Obviously, there's more to do because USC did not reach the pinnacle as they lost a couple key games and then um, did not play for the national championship, which was their goal, but they did get a Heisman Trophy winner. So again, they went from 4-8 and or whatever it was to basically one went away from playing in that Final Four national championship picture, and they did get a Heisman Trophy winner, the best college football player in the country. Okay, So then, if I may correlate, the University of Nebraska, a program that at one point was at the pinnacle of success, winning back-to-back national championships, in fact, winning three of them in the 1990s, winning conference championships all the time, Heisman Trophy winners, And then all of a sudden, they just disappeared, bottomed out. And it got so bad that they fired Scott Frost, the prodigal son that had come home. And I think they went three and nine or something like that a couple years ago. And so they needed a new coach. So they went out to get a coach. Now, when people ask me what I thought Nebraska should do, I thought that they should try to do what USC did and get a program-changing coach, whatever that process was, whoever that person was, go get that person. Well, apparently they ended up on Matt Rule, which was the athletic director, Trev Albert's choice from the beginning of time, I guess. He wanted Matt Rule. Matt Rule has had some success in college football. Most recently was in the NFL and got let go by the Panthers. Didn't do too well. But, again, he's had some success along the way, and apparently he was going to be the heir apparent to the Tom Osborne success that Nebraska has been wanting and longing for over the past couple of decades. So Matt Rule comes in. Everyone is expecting great things. And then what happens? They start the season losing their first two games. Same team. Bad losses, turnovers, mistakes, things like that under the new coach. But here's the thing. So when the broadcast with the Colorado game, Nebraska-Colorado game, the announcers were talking about the comparisons because Colorado last year in 2022, they had one win, 11 losses. They went out and got Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders had success at the... uh, I think it was Jackson State University, a historical black college. So, again, maybe people might consider that 
not lower tier as far as status, but as not the Power Five conference. Okay, Power Five, which will become the Power Four, is like the elite conferences for college football. So he came from a non-Power Five, let's put it that way. But he had success where he came from. During his transition, he got rid of a bunch of players. In fact, he brought in 80 new players. Everybody made fun of him, said it wasn't going to work. And now all of a sudden, they're 2-0, and and they are the talk of the town in college football right now because Colorado went out and got a program-changing coach to come in and make the change. So now, during the broadcast, they're making comparisons between the two. And this was what I found was interesting. So Deion Sanders went out and brought in something like 80 new players, a lot of them veteran players, a lot of them that have uh, played before at other schools, and we're going to be an immediate impact with the Buffaloes this year. They said Matt Rule brought in about 60 new players, but I think they said 40 or 44 of them were freshmen. So they've got a young crop of kids that are on the program, young team. And I guess Matt Rule is looking to build the old-fashioned way, start from scratch and build from the ground up. Okay, that's fine too. But here's the problem. The face of college football has changed dramatically. So as Matt Rule is going to build his program, slowly but surely, what changes next year? Well, you've got the addition of USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. So wherever you were on that rung, the ladder rung, of the current Big Ten, you just dropped now four notches because you are now four notches lower than you were because these teams are all better than you. They all recruit better. They're all destination areas, destination schools that people want to go play for. They all have a recent track record of success. They've got dynamic coaches. So my question would be when you take a look at what's going on, Did Nebraska go about it the right way? Are they slow? Or is the slow to rebuild model going to be okay? Well, we don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. But here's the thing. When you take a look at it all, okay, Nebraska has great fans. They've got great tradition. They've got a great history. They've had great success in the past. But again, things have changed from that history. So if we are looking to rebuild our lives, how are we going to approach that? Are we going to maybe go after that program or life-changing decision immediately and try to make a change now, whatever that might be? Or are we going to try to do it slow, methodical, build from the ground up, still have those same mistakes? Colorado was 1-11 last year. Now they're 2-0. and Their quarterback, coach's son, already in the talk for the Heisman Trophy. Colorado was oblivious on the map of college football last year. They didn't exist. And now all of a sudden, they're the talk of the town. Nebraska, new coach, new regime, new everything, looking to build on success, but the same result. Bad turnovers, mishandled snaps, bad play calling. They don't have the talent. They can't compete. So what are we going to do? Now, again, a couple other analogies, if I may, not to completely write off something. So if we're going to decide that we need to make a major overhaul and we need to do it now, then you have to proceed and you have to go after it. You have to find that Lincoln Riley, that Deion Sanders, that whatever it is that you need in your life to change it around and make that impact right away. And it could be anything. It could be something as 
maybe joining the gym if you want to be healthier. Maybe not drinking alcohol if you want to be healthier. Maybe it's get with a therapist if you need some counseling and some conversation with somebody for some wise advice. Maybe it's meeting new friends, you know, bringing in new, a new friend group, that transfer portal, bringing in new friends, getting rid of some old friends that maybe aren't the best for you. Maybe it's working on your mindset, creating a lifestyle through the mindset of this is what I want to achieve. Maybe sometimes we're looking for something and it doesn't work out, so we have to make a change. And there might be times where we want to make that change and we decide that we're going to go this route, but it doesn't work. That's okay because we can always try option number two if we keep going. So what might option two look like? What do you mean, son, option two? Okay, well, Colorado and USC, they went out and they found a program-changing coach and immediately had a huge impact for success. Nebraska, got to wait and see. Okay. Well, Alabama, back in 2007, Alabama needed a new football coach. And at the time, their top prize was Richard Rodriguez, who was coaching at West Virginia. Rich Rod, as he's known, turned down Alabama to stay at West Virginia which puzzled a lot of people. So then Alabama decided, well, let's go after Nick Saban. He was with the Dolphins at the time. Nick Saban said, yeah, I'll come coach Alabama for the price that you're paying me. I guess it was probably the highest paid coach in the history of everything. And so he went to Alabama. So Alabama did not get their first pick. Ended up with Nick Saban, having to settle for Nick Saban. Well, what did they settle for? Well, they settled for six national championships, plus many conference championships, how many wins, Heisman trophies, because Nick Saban took the job that Rich Rod, Richard Rodriguez, turned down. Okay. So maybe you want to make a change, and maybe you have an idea of what you want to do, but maybe that idea, that first idea, doesn't really work out. Or maybe it's not going to unfold the way you want it. That's okay. You can always go with maybe a second option. Maybe find that second gem that might work for you, that leads you to the success that you're looking for, the life-changing success that you want. Maybe at first you start with plan A, and maybe it's a new crop of friends. Maybe it's a new work group. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's going back to school. Let's say you want to go back to school, but maybe that just doesn't work out for you because of the timing, because of the workload compared to what life is like for you now. And so maybe that's not it. Okay. So maybe academics isn't it. Maybe you think it should be, but maybe that just doesn't it. So maybe you pursue something else. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a, um, a lesser load than an academic degree, but maybe you just take some classes or maybe you go to a trade school or maybe you look at some how to do it videos on the internet and, and whatever it is. And you come up with a second plan. Now, maybe that's the thing that works for you. And then you go on to have life success, but then maybe you have to search a little bit more. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, back in 2000, Again, we're talking USC. USC was coming out of the doldrums of not having much success. Fired Paul Hackett, I believe it was, looking for somebody. Well, their first choice, I believe, was Dennis, Dennis Erickson out of Oregon State. Didn't want it, passed up. 
Then there was um, Mike Bellotti from Oregon, and he turned it down. And then there was another person turned it down. I believe that was uh, Pat Riley. No, not Pat Riley. That was a Lakers guy, but uh, Mike Riley. He was at, uh, I think, the Chargers at the time, but he had been a previous um, assistant with USC, which is kind of ironic because Mike Riley went on to coach uh, Nebraska, and that didn't work out. But anyway, so the top three people said no. So there's this guy, Pete Carroll wanted the job. His daughter was a volleyball player at USC, and Pete Carroll hadn't been coaching, I guess, in a year or so. So he's had NFL experience and a coaching resume, but nobody thought he was going to do anything. And he, everyone thought he was the, uh, the wrong choice. So what happens? Well, USC, as Pete Carroll chips away at the process, keeps pursuing the process, the opportunity, they decide to hire him. So the fourth option becomes Pete Carroll at USC. And I remember this specifically, how everyone was like, Again, disappointed maybe in the hire. Didn't think he was going to be up for it. And in the first year, he really wasn't. I believe they started out something like two and five, maybe had a mediocre first year. But then after that, two national championships, three Heisman Trophy winners, ended up with 97 wins. A whole lot of success. 33 weeks, I believe it was, or something like that. Ranked number one. Went 14-2 and two against Notre Dame and UCLA combined. Had a long, maybe it was a 33-game winning streak. 33 strikes me for some reason, but whatever. Great success as the fourth option. But he had what it took to turn the program around. Now, could Matt Rule, for example, be a Pete Carroll? Well, time will tell, and we will see. But it's going to depend. But for you in life, sometimes... The first option might not be the Lincoln Riley or the Deion Sanders that works out for you if you're changing your life. Maybe it's not even a Nick Saban. Maybe it's a Pete Carroll that comes along and affects you for the positive and turns you around to success. See, it's okay to kind of be seeking things. It's okay to be searching for things in, in, a, in an effort to try to get better. Because as we want to change our lives and become better at what we do and just better people all around, there's going to be different avenues to get there. There's going to be different means by which we achieve that success, make those changes. Like I said, it could be anything. You you have to decide what is best for you. And then you have to decide how you're going to go after it. Now, you might want to seek advice, counsel of friends, people you trust, maybe outside people. Maybe people that are successful and you want to see what they did and try to emulate that and implement some of the things that they did in your life. Because that's the whole point of bringing out our inner greatness, raising the standard in our lives so we can bring out our inner greatness so that we can inspire and motivate others to do the same and then hoping they do that and that they repeat the process to the next person, the next person, the next person. Now we have had an impact on people that we don't even know. But when we look at the college football scene, and of course, college football, you don't have a whole lot of time to second guess your decision. You got to make a move and then hope it turns out to be the best decision. And for some, it's worked out. Others have hired coaches and it didn't work out. So Rich Rodriguez, Rich Rod, stayed at West Virginia, turned down Alabama. 
Then he ended up going to Michigan, which I guess was his dream school. Might have been a little bit of history there with him. Maybe he went there, played there or something. And didn't work out, even when he was there. And now he's at like Jacksonville State or something. So sometimes things don't work out. But we can't settle. So I guess the point is we have to we have to be ready to make those decisions and make the right decisions as best as we can so that we don't miss out on an opportunity. Now, Rich Rod might not have been the best coach for Alabama, and he may not have been there now. Obviously, it was meant to be for Nick Saban to be there. But we can have control in things, and so sometimes we'll pass up something. Maybe it's a relationship. We think we've got something good, but, oh, maybe there's something better over here. You go over here. And it turns out to be not so good, right? The grass is always greener on the other side, as the saying goes. But no one tells you that it still has to be mowed. So it might not always be the best on the other side, even though it might appear that way. But we got to take a look at our lives and figure out what's the best course of action if we want to make change. And if we are already doing well, what can we do to be even better? Because... One more quick baseball analogy, if I may. Back in 2002, the Angels won the World Series. The Angels hired everybody or re-signed everybody so they had the exact same team back, think they had a good chance at repeating. Well, what happened? Other teams went out and got better players and improved and eventually jumped that Angel team, and the Angels haven't been back since. So, again, success in sports is limited. It's precarious, and it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of effort, putting in the work. We've played multiple clips of Kobe Bryant talking about putting in the work and others. But for us, just trying to live life, sometimes it might just take us a little bit of, of are we in the right place at the right time? Can I get the right people, the right players around me? Can I get the right mentors, the right coaches, and make sure that the right ones are there, and they're not going to be the wrong ones? And maybe the people that we think, oh, this person is going to be the one for me. Well, no, maybe not. Okay, maybe this one. Okay, maybe it's not the Lincoln Rileys or the Deion Sanders. Maybe it's the Nick Sabins or even the Pete Carrolls. So we can be open to this. So what I'm saying is don't automatically get down if something doesn't turn out in life like it's supposed to. Because your first dream, your first goal, your first trying to get better in life might become the third or fourth option. And here's one final thing, too, and then I want to talk about something else, is that you only quit when you stop trying. And I've mentioned this before. You only quit when you stop trying. If you try 100, 1,000 times, that next time you might get it, especially if you're trying to, you know, not doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, that's insanity. But if you're really trying, really going after it, really trying to do the best you can, and you're trying different angles, and you're doing different things, and you're doing research, and this and that, if you're really trying, the only time you fail is with you or quit is when you stop trying. And that's when quit and failure kind of come into play. So keep going at it because you never want to give up. Just always keep going. Now on that, we've had, um, unfortunately, a couple of people have passed away recently. Steve Harwell, Smash Mouth. He was a um, lead singer. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, You'll never know if you don't go. Oh, you'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock. 
Use that little clip there. That's Steve Harwell, Smash Mouth. But only shooting stars break the mold. You know, we can live in this mold of life and be fine with whatever we're doing. We can break that mold, get out of the box that society tells us to live in and go after our dreams, become our own Lincoln Riley or our own Deion Sanders or whatever successful person we want to be. And we have control over that. If we put in the time, the effort, and the work. But unfortunately, Steve Harwell passed away at the age of 56 from acute liver failure. Apparently, he had a uh, history of drinking alcohol, which I guess led to the acute liver failure, and he passed away. And then Jimmy Buffett, age of 76, passed away from skin cancer, um, You know, which is never fun to hear about anybody that passes away. I mean, ultimately, it's going to happen. Ultimately, we're all going to pass away one day, but it's never, even when you're Jimmy Buffett at the age of 76, living a long life, it's never easy. Um, And life is lost for many reasons. I mean, sometimes it could be the result of choices we make, maybe like drinking too much. And maybe sometimes it's reasons out of our control, like skin cancer. But we don't know the time or the day of our passing, how long we're going to be here. And again, so the question comes back to how do you want to impact others? How do you want to impact life, the world, people around us? Or do we just want to live for ourselves and do that which serves our own purposes? I mean, you think about people that have impacted the world. You might think of Gandhi or maybe Mother Teresa or maybe some missionaries that have gone out to try to help others. Maybe you look at some self-serving people as politicians, maybe celebrities, maybe social media influencers. Look at me. Like my picture. Make me famous. Buy my stuff. But whatever it is, life is fragile. Life is short. And the decisions that we make sometimes impacts our lives, just like it might have with Steve Harwell, unfortunately, just might like it might have maybe in the coaching ranks at certain colleges, the decisions that some made have paid off. Other areas, other decisions, other hires, not so much, and maybe for some not yet, time will tell, but the decision-making process and making good decisions is important on our lives especially with that influence of social media. Perhaps you have heard of the one chip challenge. Apparently they've taken it off the shelf now, but there was a chip that was very, 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 very spicy, and you're supposed to eat it or take a bite of it and then see how long you can go without drinking anything because apparently it's like really, 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 really spicy. If you don't know what I'm talking about, well, here on the uh, NBA pregame show, postgame show, whatever they do, Shaquille O'Neal, tried to uh, eat the chip, and this is how it went. Chuck, I bet you $20 I'll buy the chip, won't even make a face. Bet. Bet. Without making a face. 
Y'all must not know what fraternity I'm in. Tell them, Matt. What fraternity are you? Omega Sci-Fi. Till we die. It's nothing to me. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Is that a little... <laughs> I'm not making a face, though. I'm just... I'm, not ma- I'm just coughing. I'm not making a face. I'm just coughing. That counts as a face. I'm not making... Ernie, I'm coughing. I know, when you go... Uh, Ernie, I'm coughing. Yeah, this should be making a face. Like, uh, I'm not making a face. Oh, it's hot. <laughs> Anybody got some milk? <laughs> okay, so that is a lighthearted attempt at the one chip challenge with Shaquille O'Neal and people of the NBA pregame, Charles Barkley and others. But unfortunately, we find that these challenges that are on social media are then implemented or um, copied emulated, I guess is the word I'm looking for, by others. And so recently, a Massachusetts teenager died by uh, partic- participating in this one-chip challenge, or at least that's what they think he died from. It's the uh, extremely spicy chip, and he ate it at school, became sick afterwards. After eating the chip, uh, the kid apparently was picked up by his family, from the school, reportedly started to feel better, was later found out to have been passed out, or when they discovered him later, he was passed out, and then was taken to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead. So the chip challenge, which, like I said, has now, I think, since been removed from shelves, tests an individual ability to eat the chip and hold out on drinking any liquids to limit or relieve the burning sensation. How long can you last before you spiral out? The company asks potential buyers online. Now, the chip maker, and again, you saw Shaquille O'Neal and his reaction to it. The chip maker's website also warns of adverse medical effects after eating the chip and insists that it should only be eaten by adults. Additionally, the chip maker advises those who eat the chip to seek medical attention if they experience difficulty breathing, fainting, or extended nausea. Quote, after touching the chip, wash your hands with soap and do not touch eyes or other sensitive areas, the brand said online. And apparently it uses uh, Carolina Reaper pepper and Naga Viper pepper for the truly twisted experience. So here, unfortunately, a young man, tried to do the challenge and ended up dying. Now, as a result of the chip challenge, but a lot of people are speculating that, you know, and it makes you wonder, you know, life is short. What are we going to do with our lives? Are we going to emulate people on social media that might lead to an unfortunate incident? I mean, we've seen it with the cinnamon challenge. We've seen it with all different kinds of challenges. I mean, people eating tie pods, At what point do we sit there and start to think that this is just ridiculous and that we should make better choices? But kids are influenced. And so they try these things, thinking it's going to be okay. And even someone like Shaquille O'Neal, who tries it, is impacted by the chip. It's spicy. Life is short. Here's the Reverend Billy Graham. 
What a thing it is when you think that you have just one short life to spend and it will soon be over. I'd write down my priorities in life. And I'd get committed to certain priorities. Now is the accepted time. The things we ought to do, the classes we ought to take, the books we ought to read. Do it now. The family that needs you, spend more time now. Write that letter home now that you've been meaning to write. Money you ought to give, give now. Time for study, do it now. People you ought to witness to, do it now. Every time the clock ticks, it seems to say now. Today, if you will hear his voice. There may not be a tomorrow for you and for me because there's a warning to time. Time is running out for all of us. Time is too short for indecision and vacillation. Do not halt between two opinions. Fools say that time is long. Every morning we have 86,400 seconds to spend and to invest. And each day the bank named time opens a new account for you and for me. It allows no balances and no overdrafts. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. The Bible says redeem the time because the days are evil. And the days in which we are living are very evil. If there was ever a time for the gospel that can transform the human heart, it's now. Life is short. Do it now. Priorities. He mentions priorities. What are your priorities? What are my priorities? Are they the right priorities? Are we out there serving ourselves? Is that lust for self consuming us? That our actions and our behaviors are only going to serve us? Forget about them. If what I do hurts you so that I can achieve my lust of self, you be damned. I'm going to do what I want to do. Is that going to be your approach? Oftentimes in coaching, that's the approach to certain players. Hey, we want you to come play for us. Well, now we realize you're not good enough, so goodbye. In fact, that was what Deion Sanders faced when he got rid of a lot of players at Colorado. Now, he needed to do that for his success because he didn't think that those players were good enough. But what about in life? What about just the people we see, the people around us? Do we just dismiss them? Do we have an agenda? Do we have a political agenda that we're going to walk all over you because we come first and we don't care what you think? We're going to be partisan in the stuff that we talk about. Do we spend more time with family? Are we consumed with jobs, consumed with careers, realizing that, or maybe we don't realize Maybe we should realize that on our deathbed, the only thing that's going to matter is how much time we spent with our family, friends, and loved ones. What about this? There may not be tomorrow. Young kid eats a chip, potato chip. No tomorrow. Steve Harwell enters hospice next day. The announcement of his passing was made. There's no tomorrow. What if you could live your life today knowing there was no tomorrow? Someone said to you, this is going to be your last day on earth. What would you do? 
How would you spend it? 86,400 seconds to invest. How are we going to invest them? Are we going to, you can't get a return on it. The loss is yours if you don't use them all. There's no account balance. You start with 86,400 when you wake up in the morning. And by the time you wake up the next day, if it's about the same time, you know, 86,400, 24 hours, how are you going to spend them? You can't use them the next day. They're spent. Once that 86,400 second ticks off the clock, that day is done. How are you going to spend them? No, we like to plan ahead, and we have to have the responsibility of planning ahead. I mean, granted, there may not be a tomorrow, but that doesn't mean that we can just live like there is no tomorrow because we have responsibilities that we need to meet. We want to be responsible people, so it might require us to go to work. But instead of hitting the bar afterwards, we go spend time with family. A lot of people... On social media, especially guys, because it's football season now, have these videos. And they're writing contracts or whatever to their wives, spouses, uh, other people, loved ones, saying that for the next four months, I get Sunday off because it's NFL season. And now, me growing up, I'm a college football fan, so I'll spend my Saturdays kind of doing the same thing. But after a while, it's like, is that the best way to spend a Saturday, a Sunday, all day watching football? Is it necessarily wrong? To spend all day? Well, probably not. But it depends on how you do it. Do you invite people over? Do you seclude yourself in the room and throw the remote control at the TV and flip off the TV because your team's not winning? Yelling and screaming? I guess it depends. That's something you have to decide. But maybe it's okay to miss the third quarter or the second quarter to spend some time with family. Have dinner Sunday dinner at the dinner table instead of in front of the TV. Now we can tape things all the time, pause, fast forward through the commercials. But again, 86,400 seconds to invest. How are we going to invest them? Maybe we need to do 80% responsibilities. You know, when, they, when, when people say financially saving, basically the, the most common one is you use 80% for your daily livings, expenses, etc., cetera. Uh, maybe you save 10%, and then maybe you have 10% set aside for your own personal things. Like if you want to splurge on something, buy yourself something, whatever. So it's 80, 10, 10. So maybe that's how we spend our days. 80% of the seconds going to our responsibilities. Maybe 10% going to others. And then maybe 10% for us. But hopefully we're not doing 80% to responsibilities maybe it's a little bit less because maybe we need to rethink our priorities but you get the you get the message but how are we going to do it how are we going to spend time with people how are we going to invest our lives i mean do we have a plan i mean martin luther king jr one of his i don't know if it was more famous speech but one that people often refer to is his life's plan do you have a plan for your life this is the most important and crucial period of your lives for What you do now and what you decide now at this age may well determine which way your life shall go. And the question is whether you have a proper, a solid, and a sound blueprint. And I want to suggest some of the things that should be 
in your life's blueprint. Number one in your life's blueprint should be a deep belief in your own dignity, your own worth, and your own somebodyness. Don't allow anybody to make you feel that you are nobody. Always feel that you count. Always feel that you have worth. And always feel that your life has ultimate significance. Secondly, in your life's blueprint, you must have as a basic principle the determination to achieve excellence in your various fields of endeavor. You're going to be deciding as the days and the years unfold what you will do in life, what your life's work will be. Once you discover what it will be, set out to do it and to do it well. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. For it isn't by size that you win or you fail. Be the best of whatever you are. Finally, in your life's blueprint, must be a commitment to the eternal principles of beauty, love, and justice. Well, life for none of us has been a crystal star, but we must keep moving. We must keep going. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl, but by all means, keep moving. Keep moving. Do you have a deep belief in your own worth? Your own self-worth? Do you believe in yourself to be able to do something? To be able to achieve something? To have success in life? If you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. You should, of all people, believe in yourself. Pete Carroll believed in himself or in his self. And he went after that job, went after that job, went after that job, even though he wasn't in the top three for consideration. But he believed in himself. And so he finally got the job. And even after the first year was pretty crappy and bad, he still believed in himself. He still believed in his coaching abilities. And what happened? Success. He worked hard for it relentlessly. He was determined to achieve excellence, and he did. Deion Sanders determined to achieve excellence. Two games so far, he has. Nick Saban determined to achieve excellence. Lincoln Riley determined to achieve excellence. Kobe Bryant uh, determined to achieve excellence. Whatever they do, they're going to do it well to the best of their abilities. Remember, you're not a nobody. People thought Pete Carroll was a nobody. He was not a nobody. He had worth. You have worth. You have significance. Your life is significant. If not to anybody else, but to yourself. I know that sometimes it's hard to to understand and fathom. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. Maybe you've heard that childhood like poem. But if not for yourself, life has significance for you. Those other people that might not ever tell you, you might not even ever come across, but maybe they see you or they're a distant coworker and they're watching you. People are always watching and maybe have an impact on somebody, but you don't know it. Maybe your posts because they're positive on social media are having an impact because of what you're saying or what you're doing or what you're demonstrating. But you have significance. Your life has worth. 
determined to achieve excellence. Do it well. Be the best of whatever you are. Because why not? Why not be the best? Martin Luther King Jr. went on to say, if you can't be a tree, be a bush. If you can't be the sun, be a star. But whatever it is, be the best at whatever you are. Achieve that excellence. Go after it. Bring out your inner greatness. Raise the standard in your life so you can take your passion and make it happen and let yourself be great. Be committed to duty, love, and justice. And I would even say in this day and age, proper justice. Because we see justice, which is actually in the form of injustice. Everybody has an agenda. Everybody's pushing their agenda. And the hypocrisy of people become huge. You look at one thing and you say it's wrong, but they look at the same thing in somebody else and they say it's right. It's okay. It's not. It's unbelievable what people are going through. But have the blueprint for your life. Have priorities. I mean, just the last two clips that we've heard, how they mirror each other, Billy Graham and Martin Luther King Jr., Have your priorities and commitment in order. Have a deep belief in your own worth, your own self. You are not a nobody. You have worth. Your life is significant. Spend time with family. Determine to achieve excellence. There is no time for indecision and vacillation. Be the best of whatever you are. In those 86,400 seconds that you're investing in your day, be committed to duty, love, and justice. I mean, that's pretty powerful coming from two different people. Pretty much saying the exact same thing, if you really think about it. And the other thing, too, when it comes to that, I mean, think about some of the things. I think C.S. Lewis, he made a comment that if we make God's way, truth and life, our first priority, the rest will fall in line. There's a saying that goes, seek first kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Because when you take a look at what goes on in life, okay, one of the big things that's going on is this DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And apparently there's a public school teacher that said he wanted to burn things down because he wanted to teach some terrible things that white people did. He's a diversity teacher at a K through eight grade school. Again, quoting burn things down. I don't find equitable. Okay. He wants to create, he wanted to create a DEI curriculum, but it wasn't being well received by the other teachers. So he got upset. Okay, so DEI basically is pointing out other people's faults, if you really want to be honest about it, okay? And it's basically a self-focused thing. But if we're going to take our 86,400 minutes or seconds and invest, how are we going to invest? Perhaps one way is to seek God's kingdom first because all men are created equal. What good is it a man for, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Because if we're going to really, you've heard that thing, you know, what would Jesus do? Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you're not. 
But if we're going to be focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, if we want to take the 86,400 seconds that we have and be the best that we possibly can, be that Lincoln Riley, that Deion Sanders, that Nick Saban, that Pete Carroll, we need to focus on the needs of people and include all. That's what Jesus did. Take a look at the woman at the well. If you read that story, she wasn't a very good person. Jesus didn't condemn. He just talked to her. In fact, he started out with a conversation. Hey, I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink? That sent shockwaves through her. You mean you're asking, asking me for a drink? And then he went on to talk to her about her life. What about Zacchaeus, the wee little man, the one that climbed up the sycamore tree? What about Mary and Martha, maybe the leopards, Jews and Gentiles alike? Jesus treated them all the same. He didn't point out faults from the standpoint of, oh, you need to look at yourself, you're bad. White people did bad things. These people do bad things. You don't even know that you do bad things, yet you do bad things. You're unaware of the white privilege that you have. You're unaware of the racial profiling that you do. You're unaware of, but these are problems that you have to deal with. Point them out as if you're pointing the finger at somebody doing something wrong. But is that how we're going to spend our time? Is that making other people great? Or is that just pointing out faults? That's just pointing out faults. What about the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, the Bible is full of all kinds of things and sayings, verses, I guess you can say, that talk about how you're to treat other people. Do not rejoice when bad things happen to your enemy. Wow. That's what we're taught to do today. How many people are out there rejoicing when a certain somebody gets indicted and certain people get indicted? They'll rejoice. That's not DEI. Do not rejoice when bad things happen to your enemy. Do not rejoice when your enemy stumbles. Let not your heart be glad when he falls. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Oh, inclusivity. Love your enemies and do good while expecting nothing in return. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Whoa. That goes way deeper than DEI. We're talking about people that hate us, abuse us, how we're supposed to treat them. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, You know, Petra is a uh, music group that sings basically Christian or faith-based songs. They had a song called uh, entitled It Is Finished. It's about Jesus dying on the cross. And there's a line in there that says, instead of eyes that burned with hate, a look of love was there. And I heard that song decades ago. And that lyric has kind of stuck with me. You all get caught up in our lives. You know, we're not perfect. We're all going to have our ups and downs, but it's the, the lifestyle. You know, you take these coaches that we've talked about. They might have successful 
seasons. They might win national championships, but along the way, they lose games. In fact, in national championship winning seasons, they might lose a game. Heisman Trophy winners might lose games, throw interceptions, fumble the ball. So there is going to be something that happens to us along the way, especially along the journey of life. Bad things are going to pop up. We're going to do bad things, say bad things, not act the way we're supposed to. So we chalk that up to a loss. But that doesn't mean our life and our lifestyle can't be a championship winning lifestyle. Maybe sometimes we do praise somebody that fell, an enemy, and we're happy about it. Okay, maybe we take that as a loss. But is that our lifestyle? Twitter is full of people that do the exact opposite of all this. Do not rejoice when your enemy stumbles. You can go on X, Twitter, whatever it's called, and there's so many people rejoicing when their enemy uh, falls. Let not your heart be glad when he falls. And they're celebrating. It's disgusting. Is that what you want to be? Is that how you want to live your life? Or do you want to take those 86,400 minutes and you want to focus them on success, focus them on being somebody better, focus them on the things that are going to make you a championship coach, a successful coach, someone that is going to not only make you successful, but also produce successful people, Heisman Trophy winning people. That's the other thing you miss out on. These coaches are successful by themselves. I mean, they get the success because their teams are winning, but they're producing and investing in other people's lives and making them better and pushing them to go win the accolades and be the best players ever. That's what we need to be doing. As we're elevating ourselves, we need to be putting people out there and investing in people that we can create greatness through them and let them go attain the greatness that they deserve because of the work that they put in. We need to rethink our lives and make sure that whatever it is that we're doing, it's moving toward that good. Moving away from X and the Twitter mentality, that toxicity of life, and being someone that is more like Jesus, who died for everyone. Something to consider. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, check out our website. It's RadioWarp.com. That's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. There's few things on there that you might find of interest, but more specific to the show, if you click on the Two Steps Ahead Podcast logo, it'll take you to our video page. All of our videos are up on Rumble. And you can click on the videos and watch them. There's an orange banner that goes across the page. If you click on that, it takes you to our SoundCloud account, which is our audio version. And you can listen to the audio version, or you can even download them straight from SoundCloud onto your device and take us with you on the go. You can also listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Pandora, Google Podcasts. I mean, we're pretty much anywhere and everywhere podcasts live and exist you can do an internet search of two two steps ahead podcast and we pop up in the internet search or you could just say hey google hey surrey or hey or hey alexa so google surrey or alexa play two two steps ahead podcast and our current show will pop up so we're pretty easy to find
And then um, if you want to email the show, reach out, twostepsheadpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out. I will respond. Maybe it's not immediate, but I will respond. Um, if you want maybe some more immediacy as far as response goes, you can always go to our Instagram page, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast on Instagram, and even on Facebook, Two Steps Ahead Podcast on Facebook, too. You can find us there. So we're on the different social media platforms as well. But you can uh, go ahead, reach out, and um, I'll get back to you if there's something I can help you with. If there's maybe another resource that's better fitted to help you, maybe if you just want to say, hey, thanks for the podcast, I listen, and let me know that you listen, that'd be great. But whatever it is, and you want to correspond, just reach out. There's ways to find me, and um, I'll get back to you. Just maybe need a little patience, but I'll definitely get back to you. But as you look towards the future, again, tomorrow is not promised. The decisions that we make might affect whether or not tomorrow even arrives. But if tomorrow does come, what are we going to do with those 86,400 seconds in our day? Are we going to invest them wisely? Are we going to know our worth, know our value? Are we going to have some priorities set up so that we can live life to the fullest in those 86,400 seconds? Are we going to try to be the best that we possibly can have that determination to achieve the very best, be committed to duty, love, and the proper justice? Are we going to do unto others as we would want them to do unto us? Very basic, very simple. It's so simple that children know that. But yet it becomes complex because people take their eyes off that and they put it on everything else in the world. But ultimately, when you're focused on yourself, when that lust for self and that drive for self sets in, then you lose all vision and that toxicity comes out. 86,400 seconds. How are you going to live your day? This is Two Steps Head Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Sonny Dem. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.